thing. Don't you like the Lord's Supper in here? I don't know when we've done it. Usually this time of year we're in the sanctuary. Uh, when we're in here in the summer in July, it's a morning Lord's Supper. So this is a, a new experience, or a different one anyway. And it's a smaller, more intimate setting. And uh, looking forward to it. Real simple, the Lord's Supper... I know some of you here this evening are taking it for the first time, and we want to know, what does it mean, and how can I remember it? The Lord's Supper helps us think about Jesus in three tenses, past, present, and future. Real simple. And it comes from two passages in 1 Corinthians where Paul recalls for us the Lord's Supper and what it means. So in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14, he says, Therefore, my beloved, shun the worship of idols. I speak as to sensible men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And then turning the page to chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, this is the familiar words of institution where Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. If you're paying attention in those two passages of Scripture, you see the Lord's Supper past, the Lord's Supper present, and the Lord's Supper future. So let's look at it. Bow, bow with me. Father, as we come tonight to observe the Lord's Supper, help us see it for how you intended it. To see it as a remembrance of what you did in the past in your sacrifice, to remind us of your presence here with us now, and to help us anticipate and look forward to your coming again in future glory, past, present, and future, all combined in this one ordinance, this one meal which you gave us to remind us of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul writes, this cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break is not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the same loaf. And then he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he returns. No service of Christian worship is any more sacred or holy or meaningful than the observance of the Lord's Supper. Yet it's, it's sad that no doctrine is more misunderstood than this one. Some folks make too much of it. They feel that they need to observe it every week and consider the sacrifice of Jesus to be repeated in the observance and believe that the bread and the wine actually become the body and blood of Christ by a 
transformational miracle when the priest utters the words of institution. But on the other hand, there are Christians who make too little of it. I heard someone say recently from another church they hadn't observed it in seven years. Some don't observe it at all. Others observe it, but they consider it to be just a, a symbol lacking any real meaning and see it as an appendage at the end of a worship service. But the Bible tells us that it's much, much more. So I want us to think about the Lord's Supper in a way that we can leave here, hopefully remembering. I try to give you something to remember when you leave here. Um, and I want to talk about it in its past tense, in its present tense, and in its future tense. First of all, the past tense. And that's the Lord's Supper helps us remember the past sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Do this, he says, in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're remembering what he did on that hill called Calvary 2,000 years ago. That night when Jesus was in the upper room, don't you know that he knew what he was facing? He was getting ready to head to, to Calvary and there be crucified. He was aware of that. And so the shadow of the cross was across the table as he was distributing the bread and the cup. And it says he rose from supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and girded himself and, and gave his disciples an example of servanthood to follow. And then he was going to go out and give the greatest example of servanthood the world had ever seen because the sinless Son of God died for our sins. This observance looks back to that hill called Calvary outside the city wall and we commemorate that conflict between good and evil, between God and Satan. And at the Lord's table, we call to mind the high cost of our salvation. It's free to us, but it wasn't cheap for God. It cost him the death of his only begotten son, his body broken, his blood shed. In the Old Testament, worship centered around the sacrifice of an unblemished animal. The best animal that a Jew could offer would be that of an unblemished lamb. And John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, said, Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus was God's provision for our redemption. And Calvary became the altar of sacrifice. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we look back at that event in the past with, with thanksgiving. And we eat this meal in remembrance of him and that sacrifice and what he did for us because he died to set us free. So there's a past tense to the Lord's Supper, but that's not all. There's also a present tense because we're not here simply trying to keep a dead memory alive. It, we, when we observe the Lord's Supper, we're also entering into the presence of the one who lived and died and was raised from the dead by the power of God and is alive today and will be alive forevermore. You can say amen to that if you want to. Amen. And above that, he is present and he is here with us now. He's here with us at this table. So we recall the past, the past event and the victory, but we also enjoy his presence with us, the risen Christ in our worship. So he is here in present tense. It says in 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, or 10, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not 
participation with the blood of Christ, the bread which we break, is in our participation in the body of Christ. The Greek word for participation there is koinonia. You know what koinonia is? It's fellowship. So the cup which we bless, is it not fellowship with Christ, his blood? Is it not fellowship with Christ, his body? So when we observe the Lord's Supper, we are having fellowship with the living Christ who is here with us now. So our purpose as a church is not just to be an institution or organization that tries to keep alive the memory of a dead hero from the ancient past. Our church is a living organism, a body in which we have fellowship with the Lord. We are the body, He is the head, it is a living body, He is alive. So we can never relegate Him just somewhere to the distant past because He's here and we must never forget it. You can't embalm the bones of Jesus in history. His bones are not blowing somewhere in the dust of Palestine. He is here and His Word is alive. And it meets our needs and hurts today, right now, this very minute. So never forget that the Lord's Supper not only remembers the past, but it also celebrates the fact that Jesus is here with us in the present. He's here because this is koinonia fellowship with God through Jesus right now. So there's a past and there's a present and praise God there is a future in the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death, what? Until he returns, until he comes, until he comes back. You proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Did three words ever say any more? Until he returns. And we as Christians are looking forward to that day when he returns. So there is a future stance to the Lord's Supper too. We observe it in the midst of history, in the midst of the present, with an eye to the future and our Lord's sure and triumphant return. And we will continue observing this Lord's Supper until that glorious day when on a white stallion he comes on the, on the clouds of heaven from the east and raises those who are dead and all of us will be caught up in the air with him. It's our hope. It is our glorious hope. What he did on the cross until that moment when he returns and the world comes to completion, we remember with this Lord's Supper. He was born at Bethlehem, crucified on Calvary, raised on Easter morning, and friends, he's coming again. He's coming again. The risen Christ with whom we have fellowship around this table tonight is going to return to earth visibly one day and in victory. And he will come as judge and king, and that promise is enough to give us hope no matter what is going on around us, no matter how dark the hour, no matter what problems beset Christians around the world. Jesus is coming again. And we proclaim that we believe that every time we partake of this Lord's Supper. A man was visiting war-torn Poland in 1950. And there was a church that had been reduced to rubble by its constant bombing. The congregation was too poor to buy new materials to rebuild the church, so they did something pretty creative. They took the stones of the former church and broke it down into smaller pieces and mixed it with concrete and rebuilt the church with the, the rubble from the previous building. And if we allow Christ to break us, 
He can use us as his building materials to build his church. And just as Jesus was broken, the Lord's Supper can be an experience where we are humbled, where we remember our sin, where we confess that sin, and where we feel his cleansing power just as real as that night in the upper room when he uttered those words. Never forget the future tense of this supper. One day we will be with him and and the redeemed of all the ages if we are willing to be broken on his behalf as he was on ours and mixed in with the mortar of all the saints in the building of his church. So this meal combines it all. Past, present, and future. The past sacrifice and his provision for our forgiveness and our salvation. The presence that we have with Jesus right here, right now. The koinonia fellowship that it affords. And the future promise of Christ's sure and certain return. This is why it's important. And this is why we observe it. Because it reminds us of who Jesus is and what he did and where he is and when he's coming again. So we can come to the table and be strengthened and comforted and inspired for the journey that lies ahead. Bow with me. Father, we can think and talk about the Lord's Supper and take the verses where Jesus ordained it. And we still cannot fathom or understand completely all that you contained and all that you intend to take place when we gather around it. But it sure is encouraging to know how this simple meal means so much. It reminds us of what Jesus did in the past doing in remembrance of him. It reminds us that Jesus is here with us now in fellowship, as this is a quantity meal. And it reminds us that Jesus is coming again, as you told us to do it until he returns. And we know he will. And we look forward to it. But help us be ready by coming together and finding the fellowship that you make possible through the death of your only begotten Son on the cross on Calvary. We thank you for that. We can never thank you enough, but help us live our lives in light of that gratitude 